Well, good morning. <clears throat> Welcome to Summit Church. Uh, we are so glad that you're here with us, and if it's your first time visiting this morning, then we want to welcome you, and um, if you're viewing us on Facebook Live, we want to welcome you as well, that even though you're not here with us, you're still here with us, so um, we are, we're thankful for that, and um, my name's Hayden, by the way, uh, and hey, and um, I, I am an intern here at Summit Church, and I, I've, given, I've been given the amazing just uh, opportunity just to, to speak this morning uh, about what God has placed on my heart and what he's doing in my life, and so um, real quick, I just want to, I just want to give a huge thanks to Pastor John and, and the, all the elders here. Um, they, they are just amazing leaders, and we are so lucky to have, to have leaders like them in our life, and um, that just love this church so much and sacrifice so much for it. And so I want to thank you guys for just all you do and just giving me, giving me, uh, someone like me an opportunity to, to speak up here. So, um, we've been, if, if you've been joining with, if you've been hanging out with us the past like few weeks, uh, or, or past five months, um, we've been doing a, uh, this thing called the word of the year. And, uh, the word of the year is transformation. Now, the hope of, of this using the word of the year for the entire span of the year, focusing on the word transformation, is not just so you can, you know, feel better. It's not just so you can, you know, look better on the outside, um, you know, whatever it may be. It's that your spirit is truly transformed. It's that, that within you, everything, your soul, your spirit, your relationship with the Lord, experience true transformation, that the power of the gospel changes every part of you. That's the point of the word. Now, we've also been doing uh, this little mini-series called The Power of Confession, and it's been super cool, and uh, the power of confession is not... Um, it does not mean, you know, hanging out in a, going to a small box and staring through a screen and confessing all your sin to someone across the screen, right? That, that's not the point of the power of confession. What, what, we're, what we mean by that is confessing the word of God over your life, confessing the words of Jesus, the inerrant, the infallible word of God over your life to overcome to empower, to change your life, to experience transformation. That's what the power of confession is about. That's what we've been going, that's what we've been doing. And so, um, so I have a, a little confession uh, this morning. It's kind of, kind of the, the confession of the morning, confession of the day, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and the confession is, though I can't see it, I know he is still working in me. That's my, that's my confession this morning is, is though I can't see it, I know I know God is still working in me. I know he's doing a great work in me. So uh, if you have your Bibles this morning, we would love for you to, to pull that out. If you don't, it's okay. We're going to have it on the screen up here. Um, and it's, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 12. You can go ahead and flip there, Hebrews chapter 12. Um, and it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. 
In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Father God, Lord, we just come to you this morning, Jesus, and we're so thankful, God, just to be able to come together in a church and, and, and hang out together and worship together and read your word together freely, Father. God, thank you for a country that lets us do this freely. God, I ask you just to move in this place today. Lord, I ask you just to do an amazing thing in this place today, Father. God, I, God, I pray for transformation. God, I pray for change this morning. God, I pray that we leave here with our hearts changed, Father. That we leave here knowing you more. God, you do something amazing in our life, in the life of this church. Holy Spirit, fill this place. And God, be with me, Lord. Help me not to say anything from my own strength, my own will, my own wisdom, but God, that it all comes from you. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right, I want to talk to you this morning about transitions. So, and what I mean by that is, um, what are you experiencing in your life right now that is a transition? Now, it could, it could be a dating relationship. It could be not. It could be a marriage, a new marriage. It could be maybe, you're, you, maybe you just got out of a marriage. Um, it could be a new job. It could be a new family, a new kid. Like fill in the blank, okay? Like, like what is your transition that you are experiencing today? And I want to hit on that because I think that it, as reading Hebrews 12, it, it almost kind of seems like there's like, and I can't like prove this. This is not like... Um, like theologically like accurate, but, but what I want to say is that it almost seems like in Hebrews 12, the writer, he's a Jewish writer, right, writing to Jewish people, and it seems like he's writing to these Christians that are like in transition, right? Jesus has already risen from the grave, right? He's already ascended into heaven. He's already gone. He's left. The church is beginning to build and grow and change, and, and so he's writing to these Christians and saying, endure, endure the suffering, like, go, you gotta go, you gotta go. And he's writing, and it seems, it almost seems like there's this transition of going. And so that's what I want to hit on, um, on today. And so we go back to, to chapter, uh, Hebrews 12, verse 1. And it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, these witnesses are from chapter 11, the hall of faith, right? Abraham, Enoch, uh, Noah, Moses, all these great people of the faith. That when God told them to do something, they did it. They went. And they had this amazing faith. And so the writer says, since you're surrounded by all these people, right? 
Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Now, I don't think it's a coincidence that he says lay off every weight and sin before you run. Think about this. If you were in the Olympics, right, you line up on the, you line, up on the line, okay, you get, you get to the Olympics, you're about to do a sprint, and you're here, and then you're lined up, okay, and you got, you got like these Olympic athletes on, your, on each side of you. They're just like crazy. They're just like these freak athletes that can just run like a million miles an hour, and they're here, and you're lining up here, and all of a sudden, Usain Bolt, right, y'all know Usain Bolt, he comes up right beside you, and he's going to run the race with you. You got you to compete against Usain Bolt. And so you line up, and you get ready, and you're like, all right, all right, I'm going to do this. And then all of a sudden, someone comes up to you, and they're like, hey, you forgot your vest right here. And they put on this, like, you know, the workout vest with the weights in it that you hold that's in here, you, like, run with and, like, walk with. And they put on this vest on you, and they're like, all right, take off. You're going you're gonna to do great. You got this. You're like, Usain Bolt is right here on my side. How, how am I going to beat him with this weight vest on? And in the same way, the writer here, he's like, hey, before you run the race, take off every weight of your sin. Throw it off. Understand that you are not condemned, for there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Right? That because of the blood of Jesus that was shed for you, you are not condemned and your sin has no weight over your life. And so he begins this passage by saying, take it off and run. Run the race with endurance. Looking to Jesus, the only one we can look to. The founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. He's seated because his work is finished. Consider him who endured, there's that word again, endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted, now, I always thought this was an interesting verse. In verse 4, it says, In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Right? We think, we think our situations, our issues, our struggles are, are really, really hard. Like, it's the, it's the worst thing ever that's ever happened. But, but the writer kind of, like, throws a shot, and he says, You haven't resisted yet to shedding your blood to your struggle. And he says, And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. It is for discipline that we have to endure. What is discipline? Right? Discipline is for our good. When my parents are actually over here, right here to the left, I'm not going to call them out or anything, but, but when I was younger, right, I would do something crazy. I would, I, would, I would talk back or I would, you know, I don't know, fill in the blank. And, right, I would have to be disciplined for my actions. And as, as much as I hated it then, and it even says this at the bottom, it says for discipline for a short time, it seemed best to them. But he, but he disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his moment. All for, all moment. for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields peaceful fruit. And I remember thinking, like, oh my gosh, why do I have to, you know, like, why, do I, why am I in trouble? Why do I got to be in trouble for this? But looking back, it was for my good. Right? It, it changed me. It shaped me to who I am today. And so... It is for discipline that you have to endure the struggle. It is for discipline that you have to endure the transition. 
Now, um, I want to, so if you're taking notes this morning, this is what you can write down this. Um, The first thing we're going to write down is endure the transition. Endure the transition. Um, Because what's important to know is, is that your transformation, right, the way that you change, the way that you are shaped, the way that you are moved is within your transition. Your transformation is within your transition. Now, recently, I have gone through a trans, uh, a transition, and um, I transitioned from single to dating, okay? I transitioned from, from being single to dating. Yeah, all right, come on, give me a hand, give me a hand, yeah. And so my, my beautiful girlfriend over here, Kira, she's, I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna do too much, I'm not gonna say too much, she's gonna be embarrassed, but she's over here, and um, yeah, I took her to Five Loaves, man, asked for my girlfriend in the car, don't judge me, don't judge me. We don't, right, we don't need helicopter rides around Patriots Point uh, at the sunset to ask, ask on a date. So anyways, um, so, but the transition, right, from, from single to dating, it's been, a, it's been five months as of yesterday, five months of dating. It's been great, it's been amazing. But here's the thing, over the last five months, right, I've seen some things that have been really good that come out of me, right? I've seen some things that have, like, been really awesome. Like, wow, yeah, I, I'm pretty good at that. You know, like, I'm pretty good at doing that. I can, I can, like, do this. You know, I can do this whole dating thing. But I have seen some holes in my heart, too. I've seen some real issues that I have, right, where I look back and I step back and look at myself, and I'm like, man, I don't even know I was like that. I, I didn't even know I, can, I could think that way. And so over the last five months, right, I've, I've seen this, over this transition from singleness to dating, I've seen this transformation because as things have come to the, come to the surface, right, the good and the bad things, right, when, when things come to the light, that's when Christ heals. And so things have come up and God has begun to change my life. He's begun to transform my heart. From, from singleness to dating, the transition, I've experienced transformation. He's changing me every day. And so I can honestly say that five months ago, I was not the same person that I am right now. Five months ago, I did not look at people the same that I do right now. Five months ago, I didn't look at Jesus the same. And it was because that through my transition, through this experience, through this dating experience, right, I've experienced transformation. So I wonder what your transition is this morning. I wonder... What, what has God taken you through this morning that he wants to change you? See, so many times I would be, I would be standing here or sitting in my apartment or whatever, we'd be hanging out and we'd be, we'd be talking and like, man, like, okay, maybe like one day in the future, right, I'll, I'll like think differently. You know, what, okay, God's going to fix me one day, one day up there, like next week, next month, next year, we're going to be good, like, like my mindset will be better, you know, like I, I won't, you know, I won't act that way when, when it's something doesn't go my way or whatever. One day, it'll be better. But see, the problem is, with that th- way of thinking, is that your transformation is happening now. Your transformation is not happening in the future. There will be transformation, but the transformation that, that you experience in your transition is happening now. We gotta stop looking forward. We gotta stop looking forward for God to change our life, and we gotta start looking now for what He's doing in our hearts. 
He's doing something so amazing in your life, and he wants to do something so amazing in your life, and you got to look to him. we got to dig in. So the question then is, is, okay, well, how do we endure? All right, so I'm going through my transition. I'm going through this experience. My, I'm changing jobs. I'm, I, you know, I'm just I'm about to get married. I'm just had a baby, whatever it is. I'm going through this transition, this life. Life is happening to me right now. And Scripture tells me to endure, that it's for my good, that, that it is for discipline, and that I'm going to come out better. But how? How do I endure? How do I go through this moment? And so if you want to write down a second thing well, that we're getting at is you got to plant the Word in yourself. This comes from the mini-series we've been doing called The Power of Confession. And how do you endure? You plant the Word. You plant God's Word in your life. You plant it and you let it grow. Now go to, everyone flip to uh, Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. And it's a parable from Jesus. And Jesus is um, doing what Jesus does, right? And hanging out. And he's, uh, he's, beside the, he's beside the sea, and he's about to teach a large crowd of people. He's about to, he's about to start teaching, and, and, and um, he gets in this boat in chapter 4. He starts getting in the boat, and the crowd's so large, right? The crowd is so big. It's just they all want to see Jesus. He stands in this boat in, in the water, right, so that everyone can see him and begins to teach. In Mark chapter 4, um, verse 3, says, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of the soil. When the sun arose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing, and yielding thirtyfold, sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears, let him hear. And so after he tells this parable, this like crazy parable, the disciples are like, Jesus, what in the world does that mean? What are you talking about? What do you, what do you mean a farmer is casting seed on the ground? And Jesus he kind, of, um, he kind of gives this like funny response and he um, says the 12 asked him about the parables and he said to you, um, he says, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside everything is in parables. So that they may indeed see but not perceive and may indeed hear but not understand lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? And they're like, no. And he says, well, how then will you be able to understand all the parables? And so in verse 14, Jesus begins to explain. He says, the sower sows the word. Don't forget that. The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a little while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. 
They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that are sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. Now, that entire parable is another sermon in itself. You could preach for days on, the, on that parable in itself, but what I want to focus on is this next little section uh, on, the next pa- on the next page in my Bible. It's verses 26 through 29. And it says, and he said, the kingdom of God is, if, as it, is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe at once, he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Now, the seed, right, that the farmer is casting on the ground is the word of God. And so Jesus responds and says, the word of God, or the kingdom of God, is like a farmer that casts seed, right, that throws seed on the ground. Now, the ground could be you. The ground could be your soul. The ground could also be other people that you speak the word to, that you plant the word in. But he says the farmer starts casting the seed, right? The word of God, cast it. He's casting, throwing it on the ground, throwing it on the ground. He's planting it, he's planting it. And, and then he says, and he sleeps and he rises night and day. So he planted the seed, now he goes home and he goes to sleep and then he rises and then he goes to sleep, and then he rises, and he gets up, and he, he wakes up, and he drinks coffee, and he watches the news, and he goes to work. He wakes up, he, he, he feeds the dog, he, he, goes, he goes to work. You wake up, you feed the baby, you go to work, you wake up, you, you go to work, you, you stay out all night, you, then you come home, you go to sleep. You see, it's the, it's the constant things of life. It's the constant way of life. He sleeps, and he rises night and day after he planted the word. And then it says, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The seed begins to grow, yet he knows not how. So he planted the seed, then it gets into the rhythm of life. Right, he's going, you plant the seed, the rhythm of life, this is the endurance part, this is, this is life, this is things that are happening. You're going through, you're, you're, you're going through life, the seed begins to grow, yet you do not know how. Now this is the part that, that, that sticks with me so crazy is because so many times in my life, right, hopefully you can relate to this, so many times in my life I think that God is not with me anymore. I get so tied up in what I'm doing. I get so tied up in the rhythm of life. I get so tied up. I read my Bible on Monday morning, and then sometimes I don't touch it again until Thursday. I'm just being transparent with you. But here's the thing, is that when we think that God is not with us, He is still with you. He is always with you. He has never left you. He will never leave you. He will always be with you yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And see, this is the part of the parable that is so cool, is because the man plants the Word of God in the ground, and it begins to grow, yet he does not know how it does. So he comes out of his issue, of his transition, of his of life, right? He comes out next week, and he's like, man, I actually, like, learned something from the Lord. Like, God is actually doing something in my life. 
He's teaching me something. He's changing me. And I remember, I remember thinking about this that five months ago, I remember thinking like, Lord, like, like, what are you teaching me? What are you teaching me right now? What are you teaching me, God? And now I stand here on this stage and I look back and I say, wow, he has taught me. He has showed me things about himself. I do know him more. Verse 28, the earth produces by itself. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. You see, transformation is a process. So many times I think we want, so many times I want God just to change me instantly. Right then. God, just fix my mindset. Right now. But you see, in this parable, when he, when he planted the seed, it says the earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. And when the grain is ripe at once, he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Growth is a process. If you flip to, uh, to James chapter 5, you don't have to go there. I'll just read it for you. James chapter 5, verse 7, it says, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. Now look, I don't know much about farming, but I know that, that, that farming, that producing a, a, a good crop, it needs water, right? A seed needs water to grow. I know that. I do go to college, right? And so, and so like, when, when in, this, in this time, they have rainy seasons, when the seed is planted, there's an early rain, but it starts the growth of the crop. And then at the end of the season, you get the late rain that finishes the growth. And so then you can harvest the crop. And what I'm saying is, is that you, we gotta, is that, that growth is a process that when, the, that when you plant the word of God and then the grain begins to grow, the ear, the sprout comes out of the ear, you got to endure the early and the late rains, that God is working in your life, He hasn't given up on you, He hasn't forsaken you, that He is changing you from the inside out every single day. And that you gotta, we got to be patient, waiting on the Lord, waiting on the change of God, waiting for the early and the late rains, waiting for God to do something crazy in your life. Philippians 1.6, it, it says that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. I don't know if you're here this morning and you're thinking, man, I, you know, I used, to, I used to know the Lord. I used to know him really good. Or, man, I had a really good last week, but I have not even felt the presence of God all week. I don't even know what's going on with me. What he started in you, he will finish in you. Uh, point number three in the band, Robert, you can come on up. Point number three, um, we're going to go back to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 18. Is so you punted the word, now we're going to watch the power of God. We're going to watch God. That's all we can do. In Mark, in the book of Mark, in the parable, it said that, that only the earth produces the crop. 
that the earth produces it. You plant it, then you go through life, you go through the rhythms of life, and you, and you do, and you plant the word, and you speak the word over your life, and you confess God's word over your life. It says, but only the earth produces the crop. Only God is going to produce the crop in you. It takes everything off the pressure of man. We can't do anything for ourselves. We are completely lost, completely dead without Jesus. And so it is so important to know that when we plant the word, we confess the word over our life, and we begin to endure our transitions and our issues, that we, we sit back and you watch the power of God transform you. Hebrews chapter 12, remember I said that the book was written by a Jewish person and written to Jews, so the language is a little weird, um, but hang in there, I'll get you through it. It says, for you have not come to what may be touched a blazing fire and a darkness and gloom and a tempest, and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. Moses. Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to the innumerable angels and festival, festival gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn, who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking, for if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns us from heaven. At the time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, yet yeah, once more I will, not, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken. That is, things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and all, for our God is a consuming fire. Woo! This part of the chapter is so sweet because he takes you into the life of the Israelites right at Mount Sinai when, when God was... When God was literally there, his presence literally dwelt on the mountain. The glory of God was present on earth. Amen. <laughs> and the Israelites would go, and they had so many rules. And they had so many regulations. And they couldn't just do anything they wanted to do. They had, the, the scripture says that even if a cow touches the base of the mountain, the base of the glory of God, you must kill it. Because you cannot measure up to him. And we, we couldn't cross over, right? They couldn't cross over. They had, to have, they had to attend a meeting. They had, to, they had to have special sacrifices. They couldn't just stand in the presence of God like we get to do right now. And so 
the scriptures, verse 21, it says, Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. And to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. But y'all, Jesus came to earth. Jesus came from heaven to earth. He came in the form of a little baby in a manger. He didn't come with white horses and huge castles and money and clothing. No, he came as a poor baby and he he grew up and he lived a life, a perfect life, a sinless life, and he died on the cross for you and me. And by his blood, our wounds are healed. Our transgressions are forgotten. There is no more shame. There is no more weight of sin. It was Jesus that took us. A new covenant, a better covenant. The mediator of a new covenant into the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Verse 27 says this phrase that once more indicates the removal of things that are shaken. That one day God will remove this earth. He'll remove the things that are shaken. He'll remove the things that, that we can't control. What, is your transition cancer? Is your trans- transition some sort of disease, some sort of sickness? That's what I was talking about. The removal of things that are shaken. The removal Life on earth, the things that we are inflicted by, the things that that, that bother us, that that mess us up every day, will be gone. That is, the things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain heaven. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Our God is a consuming fire. We have a new covenant. We have Jesus. Don't be afraid to go to him. Don't be afraid to spend time with him. Don't be afraid to plant the word in your life daily, to plant to live, to dwell in the presence of God. When we touch God, we don't have to be stoned anymore. We can go to him freely. And so the point of what I want to say today is that confessing the word over your life will transform you. It will transform every part of you. It will transform who you are, how you act, what you say, what you speak. It will transform your family, your relationships. The Word of God is powerful and living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And it cuts to the bone marrow. It cuts to the very point of who you are, the very deepest part. And so what if we just confess God's Word over our life? What if when we were in times of trouble, what if when we were down, when we were sick, when we were lame, when the devil was was lying into our ear every single moment and we didn't even want to wake up the next day, we wanted to take our own life, what if we confessed God's word over us instead of trying to muscle our way through it? It's the power of God. 
It is the power of God. Our God is a consuming fire. I'm going to close with this. And we were dead in sin, Ephesians 2.1. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Colossians 2.13. And you were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. But Christ died, Romans 5.6. But while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. But there was victory, Luke 24. One through three, but on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And when they went inside, they did not find the body of Jesus because he wasn't in there. Jesus has risen from the grave. He has defeated death. He has defeated sin. And there is no sin in your life that he cannot conquer, that he will not overcome. There's freedom. Romans 6, 22. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and eternal life. We have freedom. Our freedom is sanctification and eternal life. Right? Our reward is not heaven. Our reward is the presence of God in heaven. That's our reward. And so I want to tell you this morning that, come on, if you're going through a transition this morning, you're going through something hard in your life, start confessing the word over your life right now. Start confessing, start confessing scripture, the power of God over your life. Change the atmosphere in your world. Change the atmosphere at your house, in your marriage, in your relationships with your kids. Change the atmosphere. This world cannot handle the presence of God. So this, the altar down here is open. You can stay in your seat. You can come down here. Let's start moving. Let's start doing something here. Let's usher in the presence of God and change your life. There is transformation coming for you. There is transformation coming. God, Lord, we love you so much. We thank you, Jesus, for who you are. God, for how amazing you are. God, for just your glory, your might, your strength. God, we couldn't do anything without you. We couldn't do anything without you. God, we are weak. We are nothing, but God, you are strong. When we are weak, you are strong. Father God, we are so, we are so needing of you right now in this moment. Father, Lord, I pray for everyone in this room right now, Jesus, God, whatever they're going through, whatever they're experiencing, whatever they're going through, God, the troubles that they're having at their homes and their jobs and their relationships, Father God, I pray for your hand to reach down and touch this church in the name of Jesus. Father, that you begin to work in these people. Everyone that came here was here for a reason. And Father God, I pray that you, you reach your hand down and you change and you move and you do something that we cannot do in ourselves. Father God, I pray for salvation in this place. I pray for heart change. I pray for life transformation. Holy Spirit, fill this place. Lord, you, we are so thankful for who you are. We're so thankful for what you're doing. And we love you in the name of Jesus.